take your Bibles and turn to Luke's Gospel. Just kind of look at something really a little different maybe on the Christmas story, if that's possible. I told Jill last night I preached on Christmas for four Sundays in a row and then last night. So, uh, but, uh, and thank you again for Amy for all the work last night and all that was done and uh, everybody. It was just a glorious and wonderful evening. But let's look together and then I'm going to pull out just a few verses and we're going to look at perhaps a part of the text maybe you've never really thought about. That would be my goal today. So Luke chapter 2, we're just going to begin, we'll begin with verse 3. And they went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. It was a long, very difficult journey because he was of the house of David. He had to go there to be registered for census purposes for the Roman government with Mary, his wife, whom he was engaged, and she was with child. And while they were there, the time came and she gave birth and she took her firstborn son and she wrapped him up in swaddling clothes and she laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And now we're going to focus on what I want to look at today. Verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with that angel a whole multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Or, more appropriately, the more accurate translation, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to whom, with men to whom God is well pleased. Father, speak to us this morning in the moments we have left uh, from your word. Encourage us, strengthen us, and make us more loving and compassionate in this world that desperately needs people who are loving and compassionate. In Jesus' name, amen. In no way, shape, or form are we supposed to anything come close to worshiping an angel. And frankly, some people do. I mean, we talk about, do we have a guardian angel? I, probably not one angel who follows you around all the time. But the scripture does make it clear there are angels around us all the time. And when we get to heaven, we're going to look back and see there were many times that angels were doing things on our behalf that we were completely unaware of. That's absolutely biblical, absolutely scriptural. But in no way, because God is holy and God is, is God and idolatry is a sin and he will, we cannot have any sense where we worship anything other than God and him alone. We don't worship angels. However, how can you not love angels? And when I say this, I don't mean, you've heard me say this before, I don't mean the angel on top of your Christmas tree, although we have an angel on top of this Christmas tree. 
Trust me, the angel that appeared to the shepherds that night did not look like the angel on top of a Christmas tree. Did not look like the precious moments angel that your grandmother has that you're going to have to inherit when she passes away. It doesn't look like any of that. We're not exactly sure what they look like, but every time they showed up, they terrified people. They were strong, they are strong, and amazingly mighty creatures that God has created for his glory. Powerful creatures. Overwhelming creatures. And indeed, they were. And, and why do I say you can't help but love them? Well, let's think about it. Every time they come and present a message to the, to the humanity, it's a good message. It's a positive message. It's an affirming message. It's a dearly needed message. They bring good news. How can you not love people who bring you good news all the time? They do. And they bring good news with great attitude and delighted about it. And they, they, they speak on behalf of God as he directs them. And what a glorious thing. What a wonderful thing. So, of course, we have some affection for them. Because they obviously, under the leadership of God, have affection for humanity. And they're grateful for us. But even more so, did you ever stop to think about the humility of the angels? For you see, Satan was an angel, and he rebelled in heaven, and he rebelled because he desired to be worshipped, and he desired God's glory. And basically, if you wonder where that desire you have in your heart to sort of make your own decisions and go your own way and define your own truth, where that came from, it wasn't original with you. That came from Satan. That's what he wanted to do in heaven. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to decide what was right for himself. He wanted people to think much of him or the other angelic beings. He wanted to be worshipped. And he created a rebellion in heaven. I don't fully understand it, but the scripture talks about it. And this was a major rebellion. So much so... That one-third of the angels, we don't know how many that is, but it's probably a lot. One-third of the angels were with him. And as any rebellion against God, it is destined to fail. And you say, well, why would he do that? You know, I think many times in our heart of hearts, we know that our sin and our actions are destined to cause us damage, but we do it anyway. Again, you inherited that from your sinful father, Satan. That self-destructive behavior that we all possess to do things that hurts other people, that hurts us, and we know we shouldn't, but we kind of do it anyway. And then we look at Satan and say, why did you rebel against God? Didn't you know you couldn't win? You do that every day, my friend. He rebelled against heaven. He rebelled against God. He lost. And he was removed from heaven and a third of the angels with him. And their ultimate doom is sealed. Now the scripture says that when it comes to God and angelic beings and humanity, he made humanity, what? A little lower than the angels. We're actually lower in development and everything else than the angels. They're far superior beings to us. Yet, God did not leave his throne in heaven in order to rescue and redeem the third of the angels that are doomed for eternity to be objects of God's wrath. 
he left them there. Have you ever think about that? And you may think, well, they deserve it. Well, so do you. God put Adam and Eve in the garden. He said, you can have anything you want in the whole universe except that tree. And they said, we think we'll take that one. He said, if you take that tree, you're going to die. We don't care. We really don't believe you, you believe, believe what you say. We make up our own truth. You can't tell us what to do. And so they ate of the tree. And sure enough, death came into the world. And death, also God's wrath, because God is holy and can't look upon sin. And every one of us since then have come to some point in our life when we say, I'm going to do what I want to do no matter what God says. Because I really don't think he means it. And if he does, I'll deal with the consequences later. You and I, listen to me carefully, we are no different than those angels that rebelled in heaven. We just rebelled here on earth. I think all those angels rebelled in heaven and they got punished and a third of them was Satan cast out and one day they will they themselves will be placed in the lake of fire and one day they will be objects of God's wrath for all eternity. And we say, yeah, they deserve it because they rebelled against God. So did you and I. And there's nothing that those angels can do at this point that can redeem them. There's nothing they can do to take away God's judgment. They are absolutely, utterly without hope for all eternity, that third of those angels. But God did something for you and for me he didn't do for those angels. He looked at us in all of our sin and all of our rebellion. And for his glory, he determined he would make a plan to reclaim us. Have you ever wondered... Here these angels show up, the ones here in the scripture, and they're praising God and they're glorifying God because God chose to redeem humanity even though he chose not to redeem the fallen angels. I think that's humility on their part. I think they understand God is wiser than they are and whatever God determines to do is for the right reason and they're not questioning why don't you go and redeem the other angels but they're just delighted that he's going to redeem fallen humanity. Did you ever think about that? And did you ever think about this? God never wrapped himself as an angel and walked as an angel in order to redeem angels. But God did wrap himself in human flesh and walk as a human in order to redeem us. What I want you to think about when you hear that from now on is I want you to think about those angels who sang glory to God even though he was doing something for us that he did not choose to do for the fallen angels. And then I want you to understand there's no difference between us and those fallen angels. We both have rebelled against God except that God in his love and his grace and his mercy determined not because of anything we offer him but because of his love, he was going to come and redeem us. That makes salvation even the more sweeter. God never wrapped himself up as an angel to walk among angels to redeem angels. God never came up with a plan in order to restore those fallen angels. But God wrapped himself in human flesh, walked among us, came up with the ultimate plan of salvation to reclaim those of us who rebelled against him and who are without hope. I want you to meditate on that today as you think about Christmas. And then secondly, let's look at what the angel said. Glory to God in the highest. Really? Yes. 
in the highest. God has great glory in all of the universe. He created every star. He created every planet. He created every quasar, every black hole, every beautiful thing you see in the universe, every beautiful thing you see here on the earth. God created the complexity of life that we see in all of its amazing forms and colors and shapes. God created the beautiful sunsets and the beautiful sunrises, the gorgeous Grand Canyon, all of the mountains, the night sky, so much that God created for his glory. But the angel says, are you ready? The highest glory is what's happening right here. The highest glory, the most precious glory is the glory that comes when he saves humanity. That's the highest thing. That's more glorified. That's more beautiful. That's more, more amazing. That's more breathtaking than any mountain, than any sky view, than any sunset, than the entire universe. The highest glory to God is when God determined to save humanity. That's the highest glory. The angels are saying, all glory to God, but the highest glory, glory to God in the highest, right here. Because in all of God's activity, nothing is as wonderful and as glorious as the salvation of mankind. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, again, on earth what this little orb one of millions and millions but god chose to place us here he chose to place his love and his affection here on one specific place on earth compared to all of the heavens god chose to love us here on earth glory to god in the highest because he has redeemed he's redeeming he will redeem all that he chooses to follow him but on earth, peace among those men in whom he's well pleased. Now, you and I both know, and I've talked to you about this on previous occasions. Many times when you say peace on earth, goodwill to men, you look around and say, well, that's really sad. There isn't any peace on earth. Certainly there is not. And there never has been. You realize that within a literally weeks or months, I should say, or perhaps a few years, I guess, within a few years after... Adam and Eve were banished from the garden, the first murder took place. <laughs> and the first murder was one brother against another brother. And nothing's changed. And from that very first murder, human beings have been killing each other in unbelievable ways and incredible numbers ever since. Wrapping right up to the present day, as I said, the most deadly century we've ever experienced was the 20th century with all the world wars and all the Holocaust and hundreds of millions of people killed, injured, displaced. And yet today, last week, we did the longest night in Kansas City, 170 murders just in one year, just in one city, just in one state in a place filled with people who supposedly are educated and, and, and civilized and understand right from wrong. And yet, there's no peace on earth. There's wars. There's, we're terrified of wars. There's no peace on earth. There's no peace in our families. Even though we're here today, all of us know there are brokenness in our families. All of us have experienced that, some more so than others. There's brokenness in our relationships. 
Sometimes just trying to keep everybody happy is a real struggle. What do you mean peace on earth? There's no peace on earth. Everybody's disrupt. Everybody's afraid. Everybody's angst. Everybody's fearful. Didn't something go wrong when 2,000 years ago these angels, these wonderful beings who out of humility were glorifying God when he chose to do something for you, he didn't choose to do for the angels. They were glorifying God when he chose to become like a human and not like an angel. They were saying the greatest glory God ever receives is what he's about to do among humanity. But then they said, peace on earth, goodwill to many. There is no peace on earth. Oh, yes, there is, church. Let me tell you what that means. Again, the more correct translation is peace on earth with men in whom he's well pleased. What that means is that from the very moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, there was animosity between God and man. The Apostle Paul says that you and I are enemies of God by nature. You can't help it. You're hopeless. <laughs> I'm hopeless. We have a couple of cats. They're pretty hopeless in many ways. I like our cats. A friend of mine, J.D. Greer, I was with him one time and he was telling a story about, wouldn't it be great if, you know, people always say, wouldn't it be great if Jesus were here today? And actually, he, he, he brought this up because the scriptures, Jesus said, I'm going away and one greater will come than me. Actually, we have something greater than Jesus in, in the Holy Spirit, in the church. I mean, Jesus himself said that. And so J.D. Greer was talking about this story and he said, wouldn't it be great? I know some of you think, wouldn't it be great if Jesus were here today? He could just walk into the hospital and heal people. He could just touch you and make you well. You could ask him any question and he would answer it. He said, if your dog got ran over, he could go out and touch him and he would be okay. If your cat got ran over, he'd help you bury it. That's what he said. I've never forgotten that. Anyway, I have no idea. It's Christmas. <laughs> he didn't much like cats. But we have two cats. And these cats have never been outside in their entire life. They wouldn't know what to do if they ever got outside. They don't even want to go outside. They open the door and they look very suspicious, like, I don't think I want to go out there. And believe me, you don't, they don't want to go out there, not these two cats. But we had a video on one day and a bunch of birds showed up on the video and these cats went crazy. They'd never seen a bird in their whole life. But they went crazy over the sound of the birds. Why? Because it is their nature. They can't fight against it. It just happens. The scripture says you and I are fallen and sinful by our nature. We cannot fight against it. It just happens. That's hopeless. But what the angels are saying here is now because God has wrapped himself in human flesh. God has came and been born of a virgin. God will live a sinless life. God will die a substitutionary death. Now, for the first time since Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, for the very first time, there will once again be peace on earth with men and women in whom God has a personal relationship through Jesus Christ. No, there's not peace on earth right now between men and women one another vertically but there is now peace on earth horizontally our old habits have been broken we are no longer sinful by nature we are redeemed and claimed by him what was about remember when adam and eve sinned in the garden god kicked them out of the garden and he placed two guards two angels at the garden so no one could get back in but now there's peace on earth. And once again, the garden is open. 
We can come into the presence of God once again. And one day we will be with him in paradise, an even greater garden than the Garden of Eden. And we will walk with him even as Adam and Eve did. And even today we can walk with him and be with him. As Jesus said, I've gone away, but one greater than me, the comforter, has come to you. We can fellowship with God again because of what Jesus has done. So when the angels, these wonderful, powerful, but humble creatures who, who were created to glorify God and did it so wonderfully, when they said, peace on earth, what that meant was that now, finally, the destruction that came at the Garden of Eden has been corrected. And now, for the first time, there can actually be peace on earth between God and man. Not because of anything man has done, but all because of what God has done by becoming a man and correcting what we could not correct. And again, church, as you think about those words we hear every Christmas, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men, I want you to think about how absolutely blessed we are that God chose to do something for us he did not choose to do for the fallen angels. He chose to become a human he chose to redeem us. And then I want you to think about the greatest glory in all of God is the glory of redeeming humanity. And then I want you to realize that because Jesus came, the disruption between God and man has been fixed. And now there's peace between God and man. And because of that, listen to me, church. One day, as we read last night, one day Jesus will return a second time and when Jesus returns a second time, and that day is certain, when he returns a second time, there will be peace across the entire earth. He will judge the living and the dead. He will separate those who have been redeemed from those who have chosen and refused him, chosen not to be redeemed and refused him. And those that have chosen not to be redeemed and have refused him, he will cast into the lake of fire with the fallen angels and with Satan himself. And those of us who remain will be at peace and there'll be no more sin, there'll be no more war, there'll be no more heartache. There will be peace not only horizontal, or vertically, but there'll be peace horizontally in all the world. That's when it'll become true that the lion will lay down with the lamb. The first step is accomplished at Christmas. There is peace between God and man. The second step will come one day. If we're alive, we will see it. If Jesus returns when we're alive, we will hear the trumpet, we will see him. And if we've already died, the dead in Christ will rise first and we'll meet him in the air. And there will be a new heaven and there will be a new earth. And there will be peace on that earth. Father, I thank you for these words, these brief words of these angels. Lord, they had such humility. The fact that you sent them to speak to the most marginal, lowest class of society, those shepherds on the hill, they were delighted to do that. Oh God, perhaps some would think you should have sent them to the very temple court, to the priests and the Levites, or even better, Lord, right to the very court of Caesar in Rome to declare that. But no, you sent them 
to the most humble of people in the most humble of places. And yet they were pleased to do your will. Father, teach us to be faithful wherever you send us. And that wherever we share the good news of Jesus, it's a glorious place. Thank you for even this morning revealing to me the humility of these angels to speak to a small, humble group, to be grateful when you chose to redeem us, even though you did not redeem the fallen angels, to be grateful when you took on the form of a human, even though you did not take on the form of an angel, and to be grateful, Father, that because Jesus has come, there isn't a single human being on the face of this earth that cannot have peace between you and himself, peace between his creator. What a glorious peace that is, a peace that passes all earthly understanding, a peace that can endure through broken relationships, through disease, through poverty, through death, a peace that can never be taken away. And, oh, Lord, we long for and we ask for that day to come soon when the peace will come to all of the world through the great Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ in whose name we pray this, amen.